You're listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Fleur Lonsdale. And if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. I am so excited for this podcast where you get to meet Elise. Um, She's a beautiful dietitian with an incredible story of what she's been through her whole life. I'm going to let her explain it for you so that you get a full story from her. But if you've ever wondered what's going on in your body and why it's happening and you know what if you've ever felt in fear or out of control of your life and what's going on then this podcast is for you and you're absolutely going to love it welcome Elise to the she's unshakable podcast I'm so excited that you're here with us so that people can hear your story and where you've come from and I'm sure it's going to be able to help a lot of people on their journey as well. So first off, before we get started, I would love to know if you have a morning routine, what's your morning routine like? Um, firstly, thank you so much for having me. This is such a cool thing to be doing. You're welcome. Um, so my morning routine is I'm up pretty early. Um, I'm up at about 4am every day and I always start my day by giving myself a daily intention, as lame as it sounds. I have a little list in my notes app and it just gives me something to set me up for the day, what I want to focus on. So whether it be, you know, I just want to be present. So I say my intention for today is to just be present or my intention for today is to allow time for play or something like that. So I always start my day with that and then followed by some form of exercise. And I, I love my sport. I love my physical activity. Um, my pre-quarantine life, I would swim, <laughs> surf, and, and run during the week. And now my quarantine life, obviously, I can't swim or surf right now. So um, I run and I do a lot of home-based gym workouts. Yeah. Because And then I also have every Sunday is like a yoga morning, so it's a lot more relaxed on my body. And I do yoga every day as well. Nice. Um, and, yeah, so I do my sport and then... I come home, have breakfast, and I don't check my social media until that whole morning routine is over, yeah. um, whether it's at 7.30 or 8 o'clock or even 9 o'clock, depends if I'm at work or depending where I am in the morning and when I've got time to check it. But I just don't want social media to ruin my morning because it kind of distracts me or sometimes it makes me feel bad and I don't want to start my day like that. Yeah, 100%. I'm totally the same. Although I don't wake up at 4am. That is very <laughs> early. Like, I'm like, 5am is early. <laughs> but it's, it's a swimming thing. And also the sun, especially in summer here, rises quite early. And my partner's up really early to go to work. So I just wake up and I get up and just keep going. <laughs> it does make a difference when the sun rises early, hey? Like, I know when um, I'm over in Queensland um, or on the Gold Coast, it's so easy to wake up early and just... You can even, like, sit on the beach and it's warm at, like, 5am. It's crazy. You can jump in the water at 5am and it's amazing. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> totally so different. Now, it's cold now. <laughs> really? Already? Um... It's slowly getting oh, – well, I really don't like the cold, so I'm a bit of a wuss in the cold. <laughs> um, anything – as soon as it, like, drops below, like, 25, I'm 
not coping with it. And even in winter, my coach wow. literally has to push me into the pool because I'm not dealing with the pool, even though it's heated. Wow. Just, I don't like the cold. Do you wake up at 4am during the winter as well, or is that a, a summer thing? Um, it's more of a summer thing. It probably drops more back to 4.35. It depends, again, what I'm doing. I like to run really early because I don't have other people running around me, and I get whole running tracks for myself. Okay. Um, and also in summer, I beat the heat. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and the humidity. So that's another reason I get up early. And I love the mornings. I'm a morning person, so... You're making me, like, really want, like, super hot summers <laughs> right now. I'm, like, sitting here and I'm cold and I'm like, oh, I really want some hot summer. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I love Aussie for that. All right, hun. Well, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your story um, and what we're going to talk about today. I'm excited for you to share it with us. Yeah, so it's been a bit of an interesting journey and it's actually led me to the career I have today and also my... Um, current research I'm doing a PhD as well um, so I'm a dietitian and I never planned to be one when I was little I was always going to be I think it was a vet and then an actor and then you know oh. all the usual things people go through <laughs> I didn't know dietetics was a thing back then yeah. so um but yeah it probably started I so I had a very interesting childhood I would get injured and sick a lot and um, no one really knew why. Uh, my parents were pretty confused. So every time I would hurt myself, I'd get these massive bruises or I my joints just didn't sit in my sockets very well. And um, so I would dislocate joints a lot and no one really knew why. Um, so this had been happening since I was a little kid. It progressively got worse as I got older. And then Around puberty age, when hormones start to change, I had my first full knee dislocation. Ooh. Um, yeah, and it was they took about half an hour to put it back oh in the socket goodness. because they couldn't figure out which hospital to take me to, so they just left me there. Oh. Um, but I was on the green whistle, which is morphine, so I didn't really notice the time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I had knee surgery after that, but then it happened again. So obviously the surgery didn't, wow. the surgery was there to stabilize me, didn't do anything, which was a bit of a mystery. Anyway, as I, that was around grade 10, I think I had that first surgery. I'd also previously had neck surgery when I was a little kid as well. Oh my goodness. Um, and that was for a twisted muscle, but we didn't know at the time, I didn't know at the time, and I'll get to how this um, rolls into the diagnosis. Um, I'll come back to it actually. So as I got a little bit older through high school, I wasn't really happy with myself. My body just didn't seem to function. Like I couldn't seem to run the distances everyone else could. I couldn't seem to do things. I'm a super competitive person. I love my sport yeah. and I couldn't do it. So I had my friends, supposedly friends started picking on me, telling me, you know, Oh, you're too depressing to be around or you're too miserable to be around. Wow. And I was unhappy because I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And then I even had teachers at school telling me, I remember they said, oh, we don't want you on the A-team because you're too much of an injury hazard. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. And anyway, so it did result in me not liking myself very much and I ended up developing an eating disorder as well. Um, and that started early on, but it was quite subtle to come up. And along with that, I'd also been having real bad issues with food my whole life. So I was raised on soy milk because I couldn't tolerate um, 
dairy milk when I was a little baby. I experienced migraines and stuff, and we didn't know at the time that I was actually had a dairy allergy my whole life. So I was quite unwell. My body was fighting all the time every time I had dairy. Um, so I developed an eating disorder and became scared of food and just scared of my own body. I just didn't want to be it wow. in it. And um, so eventually my – I don't know what changed. I think I just decided I just needed to step back. Once I left high school or finished high school, that changed a lot of things. I wasn't around the people – who didn't make me feel good about myself anymore. Sure. Um, I went I went vegan uh, because at the time it seemed like the right thing for me to do. And what do you know, I didn't have any more migraines or stomach problems or anything because I wasn't having dairy causing the allergy. Yeah. Um, I also started being able to eat a lot more food. So I'd always avoided uh, meat as a child. Like I wouldn't eat it. My parents kept trying to make me eat it because that's what you do. They didn't know better. And I've actually got a protein digestion issue, which again relates to this illness, which I'll um, wow. mention. Yeah. So all these things started linking together. So when I was 19, I was swimming six days a week, twice a day, and my joints literally gave up. I ended up in elbow braces, shoulder braces, knee braces, back braces. Oh I could not walk goodness. because my joints would not stay in their sockets. And we didn't know what happened. And mum and dad were freaking out. Um, I was freaking out because I'd gone from high level, you know, training to be really high level swimmer to nothing. And so I got sent to a rheumatologist and then he took one look at me. He made me do something called a Baton test, which is a hypermobility test. Um, and also measured my arm span and all that sort of thing. And then he diagnosed me with a disease called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, um, the hypermobility type. So we call it EDS for short. And it's it's basically a disease where the collagen in the body is defective. And collagen is the structural protein that makes up all our organs, all our joints yeah. or anything. So anything with collagen in it can be affected, which is pretty much 90% of our body. Wow. Um, and he said, this is a genetic condition. You've had it since birth. And then we look back and there's all these other comorbidities that come with it. Um, so things like allergies and intolerances are super common and gut issues. So I had a lot of stomach problems as well, including things like mild gastroparesis where the gut doesn't digest things properly. It kind of paralyzes itself. Um, when I, yeah. So when I had my neck surgery, when I was three, um, apparently, I found out we don't react to anesthetic very well. I'm not sure why people with EDS don't, but we don't seem to. And I remember thinking, oh, I remember them putting me to sleep. Oh, my goodness. Um, and, and cutting into my neck. And I'm like, I shouldn't remember me oh my being goodness. cut to my neck. So I was about three and they hadn't put me to sleep properly because they didn't know. Oh so I'm not blaming God, anyone. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I, it didn't hurt, but I could feel it and I could hear them talking. And then I eventually did um, pass out. And then same with the knee surgery. The surgery they gave me was never going to help, but no one knew at the time. Oh, my goodness. And so that changed a lot of things for me. It it kind of gave answers, but the problem is there's no cure. Yeah. Um, there's only maintenance. And this was around this time I just started my degree in dietetics. My parents suggested, well, you know, you had an eating disorder, you like to eat now, you like cooking, why don't you go do dietetics? <laughs> we can see it was a diet. I'm like, oh, sure. I wasn't doing anything in my life. 
my plans have been, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went and did that. And then um, throughout the whole degree, I've been in and out of hospital dealing with um, different medical issues related to it. Um, and it's actually classed as an invisible illness. And I can actually be classed as disabled, but you could never tell from looking at me. And I don't really make any claims around that, but it's still important to be aware of it. Um, and I, in my, was it the end of my second year, I approached one of my supervisors who I got along really well with and he saw me swimming in the pool and he's like, Oh, you're part of the Olympic team. And I'm like, no, maybe Paralympics one day, but not, I'm nowhere near good enough anymore to swim competitively. And, um, then we got to talking about ADS and we ended up designing an honors project in it, which ended up being a world first, um, study. That's cool. Yes. So it was, um, no one's ever looked at the nutrition of people with EDS before. So we did a survey in Australia and we're hoping to send it to America and to Europe as well in the future, um, just to see what problems people are facing so we can develop better management skills because there's never been a dietitian involved with the EDS community before. That's crazy. And so that, that gave my career purpose again. Um, it gave me something like a reason to be doing this. And then I always look back on everything that happened now up until then, I said, I had to have this disease as badly as I did so I knew what it was like for the others with it and I can help them through it. Yeah. Um, and you, you don't know that when you're going through it. Retrospect is amazing. Absolutely. Um, so that's, yeah, and so everything that's ever happened in my life can be linked up to that. So even things like I've got arthritis, even though I'm only 23 in all my joints, that's probably why I don't like the cold so much. Um, chronic pain, fatigue, um, there's a condition called dysautonomia, dysautonomia, however you pronounce it, and it's where the body's autonomic nervous system, so anything that's involuntary, so heartbeat, blood pressure, all those things we don't think about, it doesn't work properly. So I experience that a fair bit as well, Um, mainly my blood pressure sits really low, um, so I can overload myself with salt, don't do that if you don't have blood pressure, low blood pressure people. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy weird illness. And I had shoulder surgery as well and that's kind of failed. So the next step's a reconstruction for that. Um, but oh it hasn't, gosh. it, it hasn't stopped me from living a good life because I'm choosing not to. And, you know, I'm never going to be you know, physically able to keep up with a lot of people, but I just find new ways of doing things. And I learned, I, I was scared for a while after first diagnosis. Oh, what if I do that and I dislocate something? Oh, what if I do that and an organ ruptures? Because that, that's something that can happen to people with EDS. And um, I lived a lot of fear with that. And that's how that whole, this whole idea of fearlessness came to me this year. I was sick of fear ruining, running my life. Um, I'd lived in fear for too long and yeah, this, I have this disease, but it's a part of me. It doesn't define me. It isn't the maker of me. It's just a part of me like anything else. Yeah. That's so awesome. So, yeah. And so, yeah, it's a bit of a story. (laughs) No, it's, I mean, it's an amazing story. I think it's, I mean, it's amazing how many people go through life and how many actually people I've had on the podcast already that have sort of suffered with something but not actually knowing what it is or what's causing it and you know I'm all about 
I, I'm all about like the medical industry is amazing and I think doctors and nurses are incredible and we need them right we need them to to essentially fix us if we're going wrong but I think there's a serious lack of understanding about you know why things are going wrong in the first place rather than saying oh let's fix you let's let's do this surgery on your knee because your knee's broken rather than saying let's have a look at why your knee broke in the first place you know and there's a bit of a disconnect as to what's going on and I'm super passionate about looking after ourselves in before we get sick you know before something goes wrong so that we can actually understand what's going on in our body because everyone's so different and there's so much going on that we don't even know about that we don't even understand I mean your story just says it you know straight out there like people you you lived your whole life it and essentially right now you'd have been like how did no one see this before right yeah definitely we just look back and we're like oh that explains that yeah and even even like the dairy allergy um because I'm like doing being a dietitian obviously I look at allergies all the time and I was looking through symptoms of it and then I saw migraine as one of them and I'm like I used to get migraines all the time and they stopped as soon as I went vegan how did I not pick this up um you know and even as a baby I was on soy milk because mum said I couldn't tolerate dairy milk so I don't know how I got back onto dairy foods yeah but um yeah and and it's funny you say there's that disconnect between you know a lot of I love the medical people and the nursing staff, but a lot of the time they just look for what with EDS. So our logo is the zebra, and often when doctors um, go to diagnose someone with something or they're looking for something, they look for the obvious answer. So when you hear hoofbeats, you think of horses, not zebras. But um, having an invisible illness, we are the zebra. So sometimes they just need to look more outside the box and piece things together as a zebra, um, and that's how. The logo came about <laughs> that's cool. for EDS. Um, yeah, it's kind of a cool story. And that's a big part of why I'm making EDS um, research and advocacy such a big part of what I do because um, I am a patient, but I'm also a health professional. So I can um, bridge that gap between the two worlds. And, you know, I've seen the most awful and horrifically sad stories from other people there. So I've to myself, I really don't have it that bad compared to some people. So there's probably one of the most severe types of EDS you can get, the vascular type. Um, their organs will literally rupture, um, and that can include their heart as well. That's so, crazy. And it's just heart, heartbreaking reading the story. So I've got the hypermobile type, so mostly my issues are in my joints, yeah. and I can have um, issues with a lot of other things, but that's the main symptom as such. And everyone presents differently as well. Some people, so you can have two siblings and they both have EDS, but one might have no symptoms and one might have them all. It's just the way it presents in people. So that's why it's really hard to diagnose these kind of illnesses. And do you know how many people around the world like have it? What kind of percent of the population? Is that a thing? Um, yeah, so in... I. I um, remember in my lit review when I was writing it. So around, oh, I can't remember. I think one in 10,000 have the hypermobile type and then they get rarer and rarer as they go on. But they're starting to think it's a lot more common than people, um, people realise. Yeah, so they don't actually have a proper statistic because there's such a lack of diagnosis. There are some people who aren't getting diagnosed until they're 65. 
That's nuts. They've lived with, yeah, they've lived with this their whole life with no answers, and it really takes a toll on your mental health as well. well of um, course. You know, yeah, because and especially because uh, pain is a really big thing, and you, people don't understand. You can't put a smile on every time you're in pain. You can do it for a while, but sometimes you've just it's too much. Yeah, for and sure. And so that takes a toll on people as well. And, yeah, my heart goes out. The saddest story I heard was a lady lost her baby because her uterus ruptured. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, and that I was crying when I read that. It was just heartbreaking. And a lot of a lot of people with EDS, are, because I did the nutrition survey, they're walking around, they haven't, they don't know what to do. They're in pain. They're suffering. The doctors don't know what to do, which is why I decided to do this. And I've got a really good supportive team because, you know, if we can help someone, that's all it comes down to at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Um, I'd love to dig into your, like, fearlessness. So you wanting to step into that sort of realm of, you know, showing people to be fearless. Like, what was probably the scariest moment for you going through all of this that you that that made you essentially want to want to go into being fearless? So I like to be in control of things. I'm that kind of personality. I think everyone um, likes I wouldn't say to be in I control. Like control. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I have to control other people, but I like being in control of myself and my situation. And I don't have complete control of my body. I can't control when my joint's going to stay in my socket. It, I can try, but it doesn't always agree with me. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, that control was actually fear. A lot of it, if I can control the situation, nothing will happen to me. But it was a very rigid way to live life. And even, you know, with an eating disorder, it's it comes back over time like it comes back and again it's kind of the thing that I fall to when I'm stressed like my old habits come back and there's a lot of fear around food and all that kind of thing and um yeah fear was really controlling my life it was controlling things in relationships it was controlling how I viewed myself how I I had no confidence because I was scared I wasn't good enough I was so scared of other people's opinions and it's not it's not a way it's not a sustainable way to live. Something had to change. And um, when I started surfing, I was a bit, I've always wanted to do it because I love the ocean. And I started surfing rather late in life. And I realized that I can't be scared out there because the ocean will always win if you let, if you give in to fear because, you know, you don't commit to the wave, you'll tend to fall and you could end up worse than you were. Yeah. So I realized that the only way I could move forward is to not have so much fear. Of course, fear is needed in things. Like, obviously, if you're in a dangerous situation, fear is very warranted. Yeah. But, you know, fear of the things that shouldn't cause me fear. So, you know, a social setting because I was worried that I couldn't stay awake long enough because I was really tired. I, I have to take a lot of medications and some of them make, um, take, make me quite tired you know, fear of things or fear of people thinking that I'm lesser than because I have a disability. Yeah. Um, and it, it came into my every part of my life and then I just realized I can't keep living like this. So something had to change and then I was listening to something and they had a theme for their year. I'm like, oh, that's a cool idea. And then so I was like, what could my theme for my year? Because I didn't really want to have in, like New Year's goals or resolutions or whatever you call them. It just didn't... <laughs> 
really click with me. Sure. Because, um, yeah, I'm like, you can set goals any time of the year. New Year doesn't make it special. I think I fell asleep at 6 p.m. on New Year's Eve. That's how exciting mine was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And, um, yeah, I realized that, you know, fear is a big theme in my life and I want that to change and I'm kind of the person who's all or nothing like if I want something I make it happen yeah um and I don't mean that in a spoiled brat way if I want something I'll do whatever it takes to get it absolutely that's not a spoiled brat thing to say at all (laughs) um and it's one of those things where if you give yourself something like that you've really got to have like why are you doing this you know, is it, is there what genuine reason? Because you're never going to stick to something if you don't have that reason to yourself to make it meaningful to yourself. And that's with any change in life. Yeah. Um, and all I, all I did with it was I looked at things that scared me and said, how can I overcome those, you know, baby steps of time? I don't need to go, you know, catching six foot waves straight away. I just need to do it like a little baby step at a time. Okay. Let's just start by just getting on to waves that are bigger so a couple of feet more than I'm used to or um trying to catch dumping waves because I hadn't really done that much before and same with things like um being being a dietitian so I graduated at the end of last year and it's quite scary when you're out for the first time you're like okay I'm in I'm in charge of things yeah um and it's just baby steps so I just have I just be honest with people and I just have to trust myself that I know what I'm doing. And don't be afraid to ask questions or make mistakes because that's when you will get held back. Um, you know, if you make a mistake, cool, the world keeps turning. You learn from it and then you keep going forwards. It's, it's never a step back. It just meant that way wasn't meant to work. And I think so many people get caught up in that perfectionism as well that, you know, if you've if you've got something and you've got to do something, then you have to be perfect and you have to know everything. And and it's just not the case. It's just not how life works. Like perfectionism holds us back hugely rather than just taking a step. And you know what? If it goes wrong or if you make some, you make something up or you make a mistake, then it doesn't matter. You learn from that and you grow from that. And the next time you try it or the next time you do it, you're going to do it differently and you're going to do it better. Exactly, definitely. And, you know, having that eating disorder background and working with people with them, things like relapses do happen and it's natural for them to happen, it's particularly in times of stress. And what, what I always do with myself and anyone I work with, I always say to them, okay, let's have a look at this situation. Firstly, awesome, you identified that you had a relapse. Like, you know, and that's okay. And let's see what happens so we can prevent it from happening next time. And life's going to keep throwing challenges at you. Things are going to keep changing. Situations keep changing. And if you just have a bit more of an open-minded approach and acceptance of where you are and what you're doing rather than worrying about what you should be doing, it can make life a lot easier. I always just say, you know, the world's going to keep turning no matter what. So what's the point in being scared of everything all the time? I mean, like I said, obviously, if someone's chasing you with a car or something, be scared, run away, makes sense. (laughs) But... um, you know there's that fight or flight response and a lot of the times I choose fight now nice Um, when I used to choose flight because after everything I've been through you know I always tell myself I've survived 100% of my worst days there's no reason I can't survive them all and even if it is only surviving it might not be thriving that current point in time but I'm still here 
Yeah, and I mean, you, you wouldn't know, right? I mean, looking at looking at your your profiles <laughs> on social media, you'd have no idea. Like, you look like you have, yeah. you know, a great life and you're managing to get out and doing all the stuff that you love and enjoying life and really making the most of it. And I think, you know, that's that's really just what it comes down to is just making the most of what you've got. I think so many people live not only in that fear state, but it completely paralyzes them from doing anything in the like the entirety of of their daily lives like they might just sit at home because they're scared of what might happen if they leave the house you know life is there to be lived and you know if you can dream it obviously you've got it in you to do it so why should you stop yourself at the end of the day it's only you stopping yourself um and it's not an easy thing to do. Like I said, you just you just got to break it down, take baby steps. And if something doesn't work, that's okay. You just look at it. What went wrong? Okay, that went wrong. Let's try another way. And after, you know, with all my health issues I've had, like even in around my birthday in December last year, I was in hospital because I experienced a severe anaphylactic reaction. So I'm an anaphylactic as well. And, um, <laughs> you know, I nearly died twice, twice in two days then. And it's just, I think I'm, in a way, it's a blessing to have gone through everything because I don't take life for granted. And it's so easy to do if you haven't had that experience. And, you know, I don't, I don't judge people for not being grateful just to be able to walk or just to be able to breathe because they don't know what it's like to not be able to do that. But I think, yeah, just seeing that life can be amazing. And even in, even this time of what everything's happening now, something will come out of it. I don't know what, but I found that I've been able to connect with people on a deeper level because we're all going through this together and, you know, no one's – it's not singling out people as such. We're, we're all in the same playing field here, so we've got to work as a team. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just I think, I think this is going to be that shock for a lot of people about taking things for granted. So I experienced that growing up and with a lot of things that are happening, but – you know, it, it has changed the way a lot of people see the world. And in a way, it's kind of nice to see that because they're like, I just want the simple things. I just want my family. I just want a, a job. I just want the beach or food or just the basics. It's amazing. Um, I don't know if you if you heard about this, but in the UK, um, when they got first told about the lockdown period, there was the most amount of people on Snowden that they had ever counted in one day and so you know you've got the chance to climb up this beautiful mountain any weekend any day of the week and no one really goes up there and as soon as people are told that they can't go up there anymore they're like oh my gosh we need to go up there and it's really interesting to to hear you know the small things even just you know going for coffee with friends I I mean I'm quite lucky you know we work from home so it's easy for us to be at home. We've got lots going on. We're, we're learning lots at the moment. And we have an amazing online community, which I definitely think helps. And, you know, being online, imagine if this had happened, you know, 15 years ago when, when we didn't have Skype or the internet or anything like that. Oh. And you would have been not only maybe on your own at home, but not being able to even speak to anyone unless it was, you know, on the phone. Now we've got the opportunity yeah. to, to call people, to chat with multiple people online. Like we're, we're really lucky in a sense that we've got that. But it is the small things, literally just, just going out for a, for a long walk and not having to worry about how long you're outside for or where you're going. Or 
it's, I mean, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but here we're allowed out one day, one day, one hour a day, and we're allowed uh, 1K from the house. And that's all you're allowed to, oh, wow. to go. Um, and although there's not a huge amount of police around the area where we're at, you know, it's it's very much the same around the, the whole of the country. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit weird, but it very much makes you just miss those small things just you know going just going and meeting someone um at the park or whatever and going for a little coffee and catch up or e- even going to the ocean for a little walk on the sea you know it's it's a whole different mindset and it'll be interesting what happens to to a lot of people after after this passes by hopefully yeah that that's really intense over there so over here at the moment, it changes, seems to change daily. So at the moment, we're allowed to go out for exercise. Um, they say once a day. They don't really give us a time limit. And most people, I'm pretty sure, go out multiple times a day because, you know, the sun's shining. And our houses here are quite a lot more spread out as well. So we've got that distance between us. And I live in a more um, a rural area. So, you know, there's not a lot of people around. It's busy, but there's not hundreds of people around all the time. But everyone's going to the beach at the moment. You can they've had to close beaches because there were too many people going. And even surfing, they're like, Oh, keep your one point five meters distance and it's really hard to do if there's only one wave on one bank. <laughs> so you I mean you're we, lucky you can still surf, right? Because there's a lot of beaches that they're not even allowed surfing on. Yeah, so we've decided not to. So um, just because there's so many people, and I do have a bit of a compromised immune system since Mm -hmm. I had that allergic reaction. I haven't been, I don't know, I just keep getting sick a lot. So we thought it was best that I probably don't go. But we're we're really lucky over here. So a lot of shops are still semi-open. So there's a lot of cafes that will do takeaway and stuff. So we're trying to support local. We've got some, um, so I live in Noosa. Yeah. Noosa. Noosa in Queensland and we've got the most beautiful beaches around here we've got a beautiful river to walk on but literally everyone is going there there's hundreds of people so I don't know what's going to happen but our restrictions aren't as strict here yet we're still allowed to drive to and from we're not allowed to go interstate but you know you can you can go further than one kilometer that's good so yeah (laughs) you kind of have to everything there's not not a lot within one corner. No, that's true. I <laughs> Especially mean, especially for work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, hey, we'll see, right? But at least at least you're in Noosa. Noosa is so beautiful. I love Noosa. It's like one of our favorite places. Yeah. Like the bike riding around there is just yeah. insane. Well, Nash, the national park's still open, which is incredible. So they've closed all the lookouts and stuff, but you can still go to national for exercise. So I run there really early in the morning and I get the whole track to myself yeah. and then finish by watching the sunrise and it's just amazing. Perfect. Hey, what more do you want? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Han. So, I, w- I mean, I'd love to ask you a couple more questions. Um, what's been the... What's been your biggest limiting belief as, as you've been going through this? I mean, this might have changed, like, as you grew up um, and stuff, but what do you think's been the, the biggest thing holding you back, back in beliefs-wise? Um, definitely that I always thought I was never good enough. I got called a burden a lot when I was younger because of my health issues. Wow. And so I always would overcompensate um, with everything I did to just make sure I'd be good enough, you know, so that's where that whole idea of perfectionism comes in. Yeah. And I always thought I was never good enough, but as I've gotten older and as I've 
you know, got more into myself, started hanging around people who were more like me, started doing things that, you know, were on my vibe more, even listening to music that I enjoy more than just trying to fit in, that definitely started to change. I mean, there's, of course, times I still think I'm not good enough, but I just ask myself, why? Who are you impressing? Does it matter? I don't know. Does it? (laughs) Depends on the situation. That's cool. Um, have you done Have you done any sort of like work around that, or is that just you, just like learning to be yourself and just learning to love yourself a bit more? Yeah, I I make sure that on social media I follow people that have the same kind of idea. You know, they're just so authentically themselves. Yeah, and they own it. And I watch people who do just be themselves, and they have the right amount of confidence it's not arrogance it's just the right amount and they wear what they want to wear they say what they want to say and they do what they want to do and I just started listening to more like from what my heart says than what I'm being told to feel yeah um and I did a lot of meditation and kind of I guess you could call it kind of spiritual stuff like meditation journaling just to try and get the thoughts out there yeah um just so I could try and analyze things and I listened to podcasts that did similar things as well so like yours I listen to Yoga Girl a lot, and I've also been listening to Brene Brown. Oh, I love Brene Brown. Really, really cool. Yeah. She's and amazing. just the way she's used the world, and I'm just, it's just incredible. Yeah, she's an absolute legend. I've read so many of her books, and have you seen her documentary? Yeah. So good. Love no, it. No, I can't, I don't know, if, I don't know if in Australian Netflix is really different because we don't seem to have a lot of stuff. I keep looking for things like that and I'm like, I can't find it. Oh, I'll send it to you. <laughs> oh, awesome, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm sure I can send yeah, it to you. Yeah, it's, it's weird. That is weird. Or maybe I just didn't look in the right place. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. But um, yeah, that's well worth a watch. Uh, cool, and like what, what's one of the scariest things that you've ever done? It sounds weird, but probably having my shoulder surgery was one of the scariest things I had done because I'm such an active person and I love swimming in that. It was going to knock me out of doing things I love for six months. Yeah. And with having a history of an eating disorder, my first concern is this is just, it's kind of like a very primitive instinct to be like, okay, if I can't exercise, will I have to like restrict what I eat? Will I have to? It's just this kind of little voice in the back of your head that pops up in stressful times. Yeah. And it was really scary making that decision to have that and sadly it didn't end well. Um, it was always a 50-50 chance of it working or not. And, um, yeah, just having to go through the rehab for that and then finding out it didn't succeed and it was really scary making that decision but I couldn't live in the pain I was in anymore. And so how did you deal with so, yeah, having How a, did you deal with that? I... I surrounded myself with my friends who mean a lot to me, who supported me. I had my family who, of course, loved me and supported me and my partner. And I actually just let myself be looked after because I spent a lot of time looking after myself. Like it's kind of, I guess that's where it's kind of a safety thing. Like only I can look after myself because then I can't blame anyone else if things go wrong or, you know, they might see me as a burden to look after. But I actually let people back in to look after me which really made a difference you don't need to do everything alone they might not be able to you know walk the exact same steps that you are but they can sure walk it with you that's so beautiful and that made a huge difference to getting through that oh thank you I think 
I think we do often think that we have to be the the strong one and that we always have to do everything ourselves and I I see it a lot in mums like mums take on the burden for absolutely everything and I'm like girl you don't need to do that on your own like you've got a supportive crew but you just have to ask for help sometimes we just have to ask for help we can't do everything by ourselves and expect it all to work like it just it doesn't work like that like that's why we have communities that why we were brought up in like Mm. tribes you know like is so that we can exactly be surrounded by people that can really help us when we need it and often we do need it even if we don't think we do need it often we do and it's so important to be able to ask and reach out for help so good for you good for you for doing that exactly um and one last question what would be your best advice that you can give to our listeners whether it's about fearlessness or I don't know, whatever you want it to be. Oh, what, what do I always... I always tell myself a lot of different things to just kind of get most myself through the day. A lot of the time it's just, I think, ground yourself in, you know, any situation that kind of gives you stress or fear or even anger and those kind of emotions, just breathe. Um, you're here, you're breathing okay, the world's still turning, that's okay. Just give yourself that space to really just process what's happening and think about your next move. Um, Instead of letting anxiety or fear always win, um, yeah, just remind yourself, okay, if this goes wrong, will the world keep turning? Yes. Okay, so it's really not that bad at the end of the day if this goes wrong. Just grounding yourself. Yeah, 100%. It's always something that's – and, you know – Life happens as well. You can't control everything. So, but you can control, you know, yourself to a degree. You can control your breathing, and you can control what's happening here and now, because you don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow and what's happened in the past. Yeah, you can learn from it, but you can't change it. Totally. So, yeah, I think so many people as well like talking about that control, like really want to control absolutely everything and. It's just, we just can't do it. It's, it's impossible. Like, no. and I think asking yourself, you know, whether you're, whether you're in fear about something or whether you, you know, you're, you're anxious about something, just saying, well, is that something I can control or is that completely out of my control? If it's something that you can't mm. control, then you know what? You've just got to wait it out. You've just got to say, we'll just wait and see what happens. It's out of my control. Exactly. We'll just see what happens. But if it is in your control or yeah. if it's something that you can control, then say, well, what can I do to get myself out of this fear or get myself out of this anxiety? Like, what what can I do to help myself? Yeah, exactly. And just sometimes it is just letting the fear wash over you and then just waiting for it to pass because that's all you can do in that moment. Yeah. And yeah. that's okay too. You don't always need to react. No, and you, you, unlike knowing and understanding that fear is, is actually normal, but it's yeah. how we deal with it that is not normal. Normally, we let it paralyze ourselves and stop us from moving forward and stopping us from doing things that actually could change our entire lives, yet we don't do it because we let it paralyze us rather than saying, this is just an emotion and I just need to detach myself from that emotion. Yeah, exactly. And that's where meditation and breath work can be really, really beneficial. And you don't need to, you know, you don't need to chant mantras or anything like that if you don't want to, but just 
that whole idea of feeling and letting go, that's where it's become really useful, I found, particularly for me. So I do recommend giving meditation a try, even if it's just five minutes a day, that's all you need. Yeah, yeah, and meditation is a complete life changer. And, you know, I've Mm. been doing meditation for years, and I still feel like I'm rubbish at it. (laughs) But I'm definitely a lot better than I was three years ago or whatever it is. Yeah, I always find like I get itchy or something and I'm like, am I allowed to scratch or do I just have to let it be there? <laughs> this, this one's more fits in with meditation. <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh, I love I love the questions that you get from people who've never made it meditated before and they're like, I don't I can't sit still for that long and I'm like, Hey, I couldn't either, but it's okay. You can actually walk and meditate at the same time. Like there's different ways of doing it. Um but yeah, awesome. Yeah, anyway. like, we found, that's what we find swimming used to be really great meditation so oh my gosh so much it's amazing isn't Mm. it yeah so that's why I love my sport because I spoke I space out quite easily in it yeah I'm yeah I'm the same like especially when you're like surfing and you're in that flow state it feels like you're in meditation Mm. I miss that (laughs) (laughs) same yeah Oh, well, Han, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Um, that was really fun and it was amazing for you to be able to share your story. Hopefully we could share this with the EDS community so that they can hear it and listen to your story and maybe it'll be able to help some people as well. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting community and really interesting story and there's so many people who have so many interesting stories around it. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been really good fun. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast listener and give us a five-star review. Don't forget to join our free Facebook community called She's Unshakable, where we get to share our tips and tricks and experiences with building courage, resilience, and belief in ourselves. I look forward to meeting you in there.